Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, or whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. Oh, we're the Fat Man. Today we're going to be talking to you about some sports ball. Because we've had some interesting things happen. Especially in the realm of uh, collegiate uh, sports. In particular, there was a Supreme Court ruling on a class action lawsuit. And I'm going to let uh, Bruce kind of take it away. We're going to go over that and the college playoff system is going to expand to 12 teams. We'll get into that. And then I'm going to also want to talk about the College World Series. Some funny stuff happened there, too. Starting off with the big news, the Supreme Court in a rare, I don't know when the last time this had happened, but it happened twice in this session. The Supreme Court unanimously at a nine to zero agreed that the NCAA had broken antitrust laws in regards to compensation towards student athletes. Now, in this particular case, they were very narrow in what they were deciding, which was that the colleges could not unanimously agree as an organization, the NCAA, National Collegiate Athletic Association, could not collectively agree uh, on compensation for students, that they all had to compete for it and that those compensations could not be limited. In particular, for benefits that particularly pertained to education. And I want to cover very briefly what we mean by narrow, because sometimes you'll see narrow rulings and you get very much the feel that whatever news outlet is reporting on the narrow ruling is trying to make it seem like it was a big fight. <laughs> in that it was like a narrow, it narrowly passed, but this was, you know, a unanimous, right? So the court was completely agreed on this. Right. And what news outlets mean when they say it's a narrow ruling in the Supreme Court, it means that they're ruling just really on the merits of that particular case. They're not wielding the giant hammer of doom and making sweeping changes to all law across the land, which... I am not a particular fan of at all because I, I think legislating should be done by people and not by you know assigned judges. But that's what we mean when we say narrow that they they have just ruled on the merits of this case and they found in favor of the plaintiffs. The funnier part about that is they did that in so far as they're like we know. Other things are going to happen. So we want the appellate court system to take care of this because in what they wrote in their decision, it basically planned out that it's not only going to pertain to just education benefits. If other people wanted to bring suits related to other compensations, we're probably going to be in favor of that, too. Now, they didn't come out and say it. They basically edged that. Justice Gorsuch said that nowhere else in America do these things happen. It's just in college sports and that that's not right. <laughs> you know, what's interesting about this case, at least to me, is that even though it's a unanimous case, you still had two opinions because you had um, the primary opinion of the court or the majority opinion, which was, you know, everybody. Right. <laughs> Gorsuch. Um, but you also had a, an opinion written by Kavanaugh. And Kavanaugh's opinion was a lot more scathing of the NCAA and much plainer language. <laughs> but it, actually, I think I got it confused. Yeah, Kavanaugh's the one you said, right? Yeah, I think you were quoting Kavanaugh. Yeah. The, I think the main opinion stuck kind of just to the facts of the case. And Kavanaugh was just like, you bleeps are treating these kids like slaves, <laughs> was effectively what he was saying. He was saying like no other, you know, group or union or you can't, you can't have a bunch of fast food chains come together and decide they're all going to pay their workers the same. You can't have, you know, you just went down the list of all the different 
types of, you know, auto manufacturers, steel mills, da 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 da. Nobody can do this because it's antitrust except for the NCAA. I'm sorry. You can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's kind of get into what this really means. Like the big players in this are obviously football and basketball are the two biggest players, but it also has an effect on the smaller ones too. And this is how the one thing that the NCAA has said for decades is why they've done this system is that it helps promote amateurism in sports, that people enjoy the amateur nature of these college athletes. The problem you have there is in particular with football and basketball is that the NCAA and the universities that play within the NCAA system all make millions upon millions of dollars off these kids. And in often cases, these universities make these kids do things that professional athletes do, such as photos and selling T-shirts and jerseys with their names on it and have them do autograph sessions with boosters and, and other school events. And so they're treated like professionals at this point because it's become such a big industry, not just in ticket sales at the stadiums, but also TV deals and everything else. And that's because these kids go on to become professionals. You know, it's interesting. This is perhaps a double whammy. This would be the two and the one-two punch because the, the other punch came last year or was it two years ago, when the tax code got reformed. And this is something that slipped under a lot of people's radars uh, because they were just all up in arms about whatever they felt like because tax code gets reformed, everybody gets mad because change is bad. (laughs) Anyways, uh, one of the things that was in there was that if you give money to a university and you get something in return like sports tickets – then it nullifies your ability to take a tax write-off for the entire amount of your charitable giving. Right, because it's not a donation. You bought something. At least that would be the argument. Right. Well, so what used to be the case is they'd send you a letter and they'd say, you gave this much money. You got this in return. This is the fair market value of this thing that you got in return. This is the subtraction. This is what you can take out on your taxes, right? So if you gave a million dollars to you know, some scholarship fund for athletes and you, know, you got $5,000 worth of tickets back, you'd still be able to claim the rest of that million dollars. Right. What that new rule said was, uh-uh, the whole million, you can't claim now. And that took a lot of – that like undercut a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of boosters because they didn't realize what was going on. you got to think of it like this. Just because you overpaid for those tickets doesn't mean you didn't pay for those tickets. <laughs> yeah, so all the money scheme changed because of that, because of how – If they give anything to a booster or donor, it nullifies the entire thing. And so now they have to play money games with it. Well, this is sort of another punch that says, okay, not only that, but you can't use your athletes to play those money games anymore. Right. Without some form of compensation for those athletes, which it doesn't mean you can't use them. Or I'll put it this way. It's going to create a market whereby the athletes are going to demand compensation for being used that way. Right. So we talked about the two big sports, you know, football and basketball, but this does affect the other sports because what ends up happening for like, say, volleyball, golf, the swim teams and softball is a lot of those athletes, what they do is they start their own social media networking kind of thing. They put themselves out there. I did this today. I did that today. Look at me train for this. And a lot of time those sport athletes go on to the Olympics or to another sporting thing or to something else. And oftentimes they'll get some of your non 
recognizable um, commercial contracts and things like that. In this particular case, the eventual end run to that is that those students are going to get endorsements. So that's how this benefits them down the road. In, in particular, so it'll still make universities want to go after them. And a lot of the smaller schools will have a fairer chance of getting those athletes. This was actually a ruling that came, I think, last year, which was the benefiting off my image sort of a deal. It was that schools couldn't just willy-nilly benefit off of student images or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm circling around here, but that argument of amateurism, it's just not supported. Now, the funnier part to this is, as soon as that ruling came out, several states like Ohio and Kentucky passed laws saying, yes, universities, you can go ahead and start giving compensation to these players. That we're not going to hold you back from doing whatever it is that you want to do to get these players. Because they know in those particular states, that's big money for them. TV and getting people to come there. So the states are going ahead and doing it. And the NCAA's response to that was, go ahead. They said, we're going to let the states do what they want. And the funnier part about that is, is that (laughs) um, it's kind of like a, oh, fine, you could have it your way kind of attitude from the NCAA. But in the end, it's going to hurt them and athletes in general, because now it's a free for all system. There are no rules. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a problem. There's a reason why the NFL has a players association and why there's collective bargaining. There's a reason why there's a player association in the NBA and in, in baseball is that it's to help things from running amok and eventually destroying the system (laughs) from either the league side or from the player side. So it's been a kind of a really interesting way that the NCAA has been behaving on this because it's, it's been very inept, you know, (laughs) they, they went for the longest time of doing what they wanted. And like you said, treating these kids more or less like slaves with very little in compensation and making millions of dollars off them to going fine. And turning their back and like, we're just going to keep collecting our money from the schools. (laughs) Yeah. And so the case I was mentioning earlier was O'Bannon versus the NCAA. And it was settled in 2016. The Supreme Court actually didn't take it up. It it went to the appellate courts. But what it said was schools couldn't continue to use former students, athletes, um, likenesses for commercial purposes. Mm -hmm. Basically, the school couldn't make money off of an athlete's likeness. After they graduated, if they've already graduated, I think there's the good side of it, right? Which we talked about, which is that, you know, that there's there's a potential that they're not going to be treated like slaves. But there's also the the potential bad side of this, right? Like what does like a free agency market in the college realm look like? Because we already have like the transfer portal, right? right? So that effectively opens up your free agency piece. So then you bring in a variable compensation. So then you have it's i guess it's more blatant domination by schools that have more money which is not really what we want well it's not what we want but to be fair that's the way it is anyways i mean everybody knows who the big players are i mean kids want to go to alabama ohio state lsu the sec teams texas a&m texas (laughs) (laughs) a&m but they already want to do that so this doesn't really affect that per se it just makes it harder for the smaller schools to do it but like i said before 
that's why those smaller schools will turn to things like baseball. They'll turn to volleyball, softball, the other sports, and they will try to make their name that way. Schools like Alabama and the SEC, Texas A&M and Ohio State, they're not going to bother trying to build up those programs because they're already established making huge amounts of money. And they're going to go ahead and start promoting these kids from high school. We're going to grab this kid from this high school, this five-star quarterback, and he's going to come to us because of this or that or the other thing. To say that this is going to make the system unfair, it's already terribly unfair. Right. <laughs> it's just no one's saying it. <laughs> it's just been a building and building problem for a long time, I think, in college sports. And we talk about, about football and basketball being the big ones. Baseball's not that on big either. And those other sports, you know, all it takes is an athletic director who decides at one of the big schools who decides to really dump some money into the other stuff to really boost I mean, that's what happened in A&M while I was there. The athletics director decided they were going to really build out their other programs. Uh-huh. It wasn't necessarily to the detriment of the football program. It ended up being that way, but <laughs> I don't think that was planned. Well, I was going to say, I mean, they, they built two gigantic practice fields next to the stadium and then closed up and built an entire new stand and then renovated the rest of the stadium. It's, it's sort of like... Bigger schools just have more to offer mm-hmm. just because of the money in general. So it's going to just be interesting to me to see where this goes in the end because mm-hmm. likely what's next is talking about, okay, non-educational compensation. And when we move into that realm, we're talking about paying players, right? which is a whole different ball of wax. Right. I've always been for this kind of thing, and it's mainly for this big reason. As the years have gone on, football players have just gotten bigger and stronger and faster and the way that these big universities like alabama AM, ohio state have played is that they've played to try to get these kids ready for the nfl which means they've pushed these kids really hard to be the best that they can oftentimes these kids get hurt and sometimes these hurt athletes just get left by the wayside right this kid who had a bright big future in football now has nothing and is standing on the side of the road going what do i do with myself now but the school's still making tons of money off of it. So, and that's sort of the weird thing. Like you have – so you have somebody who's on a football scholarship, right? And so ostensibly they're in school, right? So they're earning a degree so that they can go do something after they're, after they're done playing football, even if they don't go to the NFL. Supposedly. <laughs> but <laughs> that football scholarship might only work – you know, might only give them – money for the school as long as they're on the football team and being on the football team takes an enormous amount of time. And beyond that, anybody who goes for the draft, right? So if you say, I'm, I'm going to go put myself up for the draft, you disqualify yourself from all future college performance, whether or not you make the draft. So a guy who goes up for the draft as a sophomore or a junior doesn't make the draft and is then out out his scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. And is probably only two to three years into into his uh, degree, and so he's hosed, right? So, right, the system's not it's not good right now. So that that's a large argument for the comp, you know, pay them to play. That the I think the problem is that you end up with a I think you're going to end up with an even wider disparity between the bigger schools and the smaller schools when if you start opening that door because I mean let's face it you're talking about scholarships and kind of prestige for I'm playing for Alabama so the the recruiters for the the various um NFL teams are going to be looking harder because I know I'm from a prestigious school. 
the only way that that'll change is to do a mock system of the NFL system, which is that they have salary caps and whatnot, which I don't see happening. And then at this point, I don't really know other than that way how, how they're going to fix it. I mean, this is the problem we've got with the right with the professional sports, the runaway money train, which is just pissing off the fans more and more and more. I, I no none of us wants to see college turn into that problem. The only one that has a runaway money problem really is the um, is Major League Baseball. The NFL still has salary caps, and those are based off of the TV deals and everything else. So, and that's agreed upon collectively between the league and the players' association. While you are getting some players that have these huge contracts, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, the large majority of them don't. Tom Brady gets a lot of money, but it's not like Bryce Harper and his, you know, $400 million contract yeah, over 13 some odd years. Most NFL contracts at most are like so, uh, are like 10 at most. <laughs> right. right. That's a way to do it. But for that to work, you have to you have to have a players union. Right. So you would have you would be having college athletes join a union, which I mean, that's even like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. They're going to have to do that anyway if they want to go pro. Right. Well, they're going to join a union when they go pro. <sighs> I don't know. That's just a weird place. And in so doing what the what the NFL Players Association tends to do a lot of times is with those players that don't make the big bucks is they help guide them in financial stability. They have resources to help them make sure that they're not blowing their money on a hundred thousand dollar car when they're only making two hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, they're like, hey, you might want to be careful because you don't know what's going to happen next season. You blow out your knee and that's it. That's your career. You may want to think about investing some of that. No, I'm not, I'm not saying like the existence of such a union would be like a bad thing necessarily what i'm saying like the formation of it gets problematic because the the way union law works in most states or nationwide is is kind of strange this goes into another thing the reason why having such a thing would be good is because if you're gonna start paying these 18 year olds you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars to play a sport is that it helps guide them to being responsible because they're they're in it collectively and they've got people to talk to them and look over them and say hey this is okay this isn't watch what you're doing here at high school students are talked by the nba uh agents you know and whether or not they're going to go pro before they even get into college and oftentimes kids in high school will skip college and go play in one of the minor league system like the g league or in new zealand because they don't want to get hurt for no pay They'd rather try take their chance going to pay to play in a minor league system and then get drafted than say go into the NCAA system, play in the big March Madness tournament, break their leg, and all of a sudden, not only do they don't have any money, they took a chance on getting an education and didn't even get that. You know, I think it would be better, honestly, at least as a first step to reform how the scholarships work, to be to to make it more like a locked in kind of a thing. Like the minute you get a scholarship for a, a sport, you've got it. Like, you've got it for the rest of your education. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come through collective bargaining. It's just the problem is they're not employees, right? You couldn't be a union unless you're viewed as an employee. And they're not viewed as employees because they're not paid that way. They're they're students. Well, they will be. Maybe, right? So that's the problem. Payment is a strange term to say because any type of compensation is considered payment. You're getting money for a specific purpose, but that's the compensation that they're giving. Yeah, and no. 
it's kind of weird because the compensation they get is 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 specifically educational and so they're not employees of the school that's where it gets weird you're never an employee of a school you're not entitled to health benefits or a 401k so no student is an employee right if they start paying you to play that would almost de facto cause you to become an employee now we're getting to labor law which is a little bit different that's a whole other mess <laughs> that's what i'm saying if you're if you're just just straight up paying the money and there's no like educational tie to it or anything like that then they're an employee because they're doing a job and that's playing sports. That's And that's where you'd have a players union come in. I would definitely like to talk to a labor lawyer and see if that's necessarily a case. It's sort of like the difference between like a TA and a regular grad student, right? A regular grad student may have a scholarship, but they're not necessarily working. They're just going to school, right? And so they're not an employee of the school. Whereas a, a TA, who is also a grad student, is a student, and on top of that, they're an employee of the school because they're a TA. But a TA has different responsibilities than the grad student. Yeah, no, I, I'm aware. What I'm saying is if we started just paying them to play football, then we would be moving them from that grad student position to the TA position. I mean, maybe maybe you can make an argument that that's where they exist now. They're just not getting paid for it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is once you start paying them... They're employees. Well, they're essentially employees now. Because again, like the TA, sports athletes do have an obligation to do different duties than, say, a regular student, which is to play the sport. But it's tied to the scholarship. You look at academic scholarships. Academic scholarships require somebody who has an academic scholarship to maintain a certain grade point average or maintain in the honor program. There's there's lots of different qualifiers. And I'm assuming that the TA probably does the same thing too. Yeah. Some scholarships kind of require... You know, some sort of research. And it's just that the, the terms of the scholarship differ. It's just once the school starts paying them specifically to play the game, then, then they're employees. And I think your argument's fairly valid. That's pretty much where they are now. We're just not paying them. Well, no, what I'm saying is, is labeling them as employees is where we get into a little tricky situation that I think a labor lawyer would have to put in as to what exactly would entitle them to being considered an employee. Because now we're now we're playing with labels here. <laughs> it's actually not that that hard. Um, there's like seven, five or seven things. Like it, you know, you require them to be in a certain place at a certain time. You pay them for your t- for their time. You require them to wear certain kinds of clothing while they're working. You require like, they, and these these are the things to help you separate what a, like a a contractor versus an employee would be. But it's the same sort of thing that you're dealing with here. Well, that's almost what the Supreme Court is basically seeing at this point, no. <laughs> because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about antitrust here. Right. No. So it didn't go quite that far. But they gave a huge hint that that was where this is heading. Right. They're getting onto antitrust things. And so we might as well go ahead and, and say that this is about antitrust and, and that basically if they're going to be talking about student athletes and antitrust laws, that they're already employees. I, and I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying things change dramatically once they're actually declared employees. That could change ball games, I suppose, <laughs> to put it literally. In any case, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting world in college in college athletics, probably sooner rather than later. It's probably going to happen very rapid, and that the NCAA better get off their asses and uh, and deal with it because they're after the COVID mess and this. It's not looking good for for the association. 
But uh, speaking of college football, just before the, not just before, but a few weeks before the Supreme Court ruling, rumors began abound that the NCAA football, the FBS football system, is going to be talking about expanding the college playoff system from four teams to 12. This has been something that a lot of people have been for and against, and, and, you know, opinions vary across the board, up, down, left, right. I, for one, think it's a great thing. I think that the four-team system has been terribly boring. We talk about big schools hogging all the spotlights, and it's always the same schools the last few years. You know, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, two other big-name schools. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, and then another school. So, um, I, you know, I I like it. I really like it a lot because I think it needs to be expanded. I don't think they went far enough, uh, but 12 was probably as far as they could have gone. Without expanding the season to ridiculous numbers. Right. All they were able to do, though, so far is get everybody in, in the college football playoffs, like management committee, to agree, yeah, we want to move forward with this. That management committee is basically made up of the commissioners for the various conferences. So Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, ACC, Pac 12. So those are the big Pac. Big Ten. Yeah. So, and then all the other minor conferences, or I don't know what to call them, the other conferences. <laughs> Division two. <laughs> All those commissioners then have to go back to the individual schools within their conferences and sell it to those schools and get all the presidents of those schools on board. And then once that happens, then they got to figure out how it actually works. Because right now, the four teams are chosen by the college football playoff committee. Some people don't want that to work that way anymore. They want like the winner of the uh, conferences to be automatically go into it. They want... Some people chosen by the playoff committee and some people chosen by the coaches poll. I think that's where the fight's going to be. My hope is that the fight isn't so knocked down, drag out, that they can't come to a final agreement. With all that said, though, it's looking like it's going to be two to three years before anything actually goes forward with this. Yeah, I heard the earliest was 2023. Yeah. What this does is it helps eliminate a lot of arguments. Like a few years ago, UCF went undefeated and they never got into the college playoff system. They were so upset about it that they started chanting, you know, we're the national champions because we're undefeated. And everyone kind of went, that's a little much. You didn't really play anybody. But a 12 playoff system, maybe they would have gotten in and they would have been able to show their skills then. Yep. A few years before that, Hawaii was the same thing, undefeated. But then again, Hawaii is limited to... To where they can play because they're an island six hours away from California. Yeah, to quote Carl, no one cares about Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have eliminated that argument. Boston College was also undefeated that year, too, if I remember correctly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, like last year, Texas AM, Ohio State were in the ranking systems very close to each other. A&M, having been in the SEC Western Division, the same division as Alabama, had one loss, which was to Alabama, and uh, in Ohio State only played six of their nine games. A&M played all nine of theirs. Ohio State played in the Big Ten, which didn't really have anybody terribly ranked. I don't know if anybody else was ranked above 10 in that in that conference. Yeah, I want to say Northwestern, who they played for the Big Ten championship, was ranked. Um, and they almost lost that <laughs> to Northwestern, if I remember right. correctly. On top of which, in that conference championship, the Big Ten had to bend their own rules to get Ohio State to play in that game because they only played six games because of COVID. No, they only had five games. They only had five games going into that game. Five games. Whereas, like, Alabama had played, like, 13. Right. <laughs> 
So, you know, like double. Right. <laughs> when it came time to polling, Ohio State beat out uh, Texas A&M because they were going to draw the more TV fans. It wasn't the official reason, but everyone says that that was the reason. That was, that was practically it, you know, because then you had Ohio State to went on and they destroyed Clemson very handily. Honestly, I, I, I think Ohio State should have been in there and Notre Dame and possibly even Clemson should not have been there. In my mind, you know, the after the fact Monday morning quarterback way to look at it, I think it should have been Alabama, Ohio State, Texas A&M and Cincinnati because Cincinnati <laughs> won three quarters or more of their game with Georgia. Georgia almost lost that game against Cincinnati and Cincinnati, you know, <laughs> won out their whole their their conference and their season. I was going to say, and they're from a lesser conference. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, 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 there was it was more than just A&M that got screwed. We're forgetting the end result here, is which was that the national championship game was Alabama versus Ohio State. And Ohio State lost to Alabama the exact same score that Texas A&M did in the regular season. Yep. Exact, exact same score. Same yeah. score. I think an Ohio State-Texas A&M semifinal game would have been – Awesome. <laughs> yes. Win or lose, it would have been, I think it would have been great. I think we would have won, but I think it would have been a really close game. I, I'm looking forward to an expanded college football. It, it does mean we've got to suffer through at least one more year, possibly three, because I think the current contract for the college football playoffs ends in 2025. So no matter what, something's going to change by then. Because, oh. um, yeah, it was a 12 year contract. So. Uh, but hopefully something changes by 2023, so we just have one more season with this current setup. Right. And another big reason is that there are a lot of bowl games, and one of the arguments before for not expanding is, oh, then you'd have to get rid of all the bowl games. Let me tell you, a lot of those bowl games nobody really cares about. Texas A&M a few years ago went to the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. If we weren't physically there, I don't know if we would have ended up watching it. <laughs> and, you know, the, the honest truth is it's not like you can't just roll these bowl games into an expanded college football playoff system. Exactly what they did with the three college playoff games that happen right now are old bowl games from the old bowl game system. And if you're worried about sponsorship, you can attack, uh, you can attach a sponsor name to any football game, really. And then like, like in basketball, you have the big tournament, then you have the (laughs) non-invitational. You can still have your bowl games that just aren't part of the playoff system too. Wait a minute. How, how do you do 12 teams? There would have to be probably a bye week for certain teams, if I remember is what they were saying. Yeah, because you you would really need sixteen. I you know this whole time I've been thinking twelve mm. is just such an odd number. I just did the math in my head. I'm like that doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I done that a few weeks ago. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, so what it'll have to be is a certain ranked teams will, will get a bye week. Yeah, so two so two teams would buy to the second. So they'd go. They'd miss the quarterfinals. They'd go to the semifinals. And then, uh, or no, they'd go past Maybe first round. Yeah, first round. They'd go to the second round, and then you'd have your third round, and then and then the championship. I wonder if there'd be a losers game too. You know, third and fourth play. But yeah, so that's the college playoff system. Looking forward to that. That'll be fun. You said you watched the maroon and white game. The, the it's kind of like a preseason uh, intra squad game. For A&M. Yeah, I, I, this is something done by all teams. So, and it was almost it was the same weekend for everybody. So it's like the 
you know, red and white game for Alabama and the orange and white game for Tennessee and, you know, just, just whatever in white <laughs> is always the color. I guess Notre Dame is blue and gold, but most of the teams... Ohio State would be silver and red. Yeah, so every team had there. And it's just sort of a way to get a feel for how the team is gelling and how the various sides of the ball are playing. I was pretty impressed with both the quarterbacks, the two. So you had, you had three quarterbacks who got play time. God, Seth and King. I think Seth is a first name, King's a last name, but whatever. That's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, with the two uh, the two front runners for quarterback, I don't even know if there's been a decision made on who's going to be the starting quarterback or if, we're, if Jimbo's going to try to do the crazy, oh, I have two starting quarterback thing. But it looked good. They looked good. Defense looked pretty phenomenal. Offensive line is leaky. And, uh, you know, that's just going to be how it is. The hope is that they start to gel well as we move into the season. And given King is a scrambler and he can run, I, that should help a lot with the leaky offensive line. So that, that was kind of the main the main piece of it that was, that was uh, lacking. And the other big bright star was uh, the kicker, who I believe made two field goals from like 60 yards. <laughs> during two or three it was there was there was an amazing number of long long kicks and he had no trouble with them at all so that was nice to see and i don't know what it is AM's always been pretty good on special teams and it's always very strange you know we have those years where we're not and those years are always just very strange so it was good to see the kickers or the the more one uh, main kicker do so well with that yeah that was the that was the main takeaways from the maroon and white game. Well, I'm looking forward to the season. I'm looking at the schedule right now. First three weeks are non-conference. Uh, two of those teams should be pretty easy, but uh, the second week against Colorado probably be a little interesting. Yeah, that's going to be in Colorado. So that gets interesting because it's a very different air quality up there. <laughs> There's a lot less of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that could be a tight game. I'm really hoping we don't just blow our own foot off and lose, uh, but I'm not... I'm going to try to not hold my breath because <laughs> this would be classic A&M. Going into the season, everybody's thinking we're going to win some stuff here, and then we, we lose to Colorado and then, you know, drop like a fucking rock. <laughs> that's a 3.30 game. I don't know if that's Central or Mountain Time. I'm going to assume Mountain Time. So that means 1.30 here on the East Coast, uh, 2.30 there in Texas. But what's interesting about the schedule is the second-to-last week is a non-conference game against Prairie View. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've ever had a non-conference the second-to-last week of the season. No, we have. Oh, okay. That just seems really, really odd time to, to have a non-conference. It's um, God, two years ago. I can't, I can't remember. We didn't play Prairie View. It was a different non-conference team. But, yeah, yeah, it, it, it happens. It does uh, uh, usually feel a little weird, but, yeah, it, it does happen. And I will say on the general look of it, I think we could say it's an easier schedule because we don't play Clemson. We don't play Georgia. We play our usual assortment of uh, West Division SEC teams. Alabama is the two, four, six, eighth game no sixth game of the season auburn i guess but beyond that well, we should do good because these are all teams that we should be doing good against you know arkansas mississippi state old miss 
these are teams that we really shouldn't be losing to. It's always the ones that like Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, those are the ones that usually give us problems and end up leading to us not getting into the playoff system. <laughs> yeah, so Alabama is going to be a big game. I, I honestly, I'm hearing a lot of Alabama noise talking about they think a and is going to be their biggest game. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because... I feel honored, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Auburn's always a question mark. Sometimes Auburn's decent, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they change halfway through the game. That's kind of how last year's was. Auburn looked pretty hoss for the first, uh, I would say, two and a half quarters and then after that they sort of fell apart and we just took them out uh-huh. mississippi state you just never know about occasionally they decide to show up to a game and tear somebody apart uh which is what they did to lsu at the very beginning of the season last year and then they they just drop like a rock after that and then lsu well lsu lost 40 some odd of their starters <laughs> <laughs> so you know they'll have a lot more depth this time out so it, it'll be a harder game it's in bad rouge Yep. I don't think we've beat them in Baton Rouge yet. But definitely looking at the schedule, it's not like we were had in years past phase two or three number one teams, you know, or teams in the top five, ten. It's definitely not that particular schedule that you typically think of those teams. These are all teams that we've had mixed results in with. But, you know, we've definitely beaten them. Yeah. It's not like Alabama where we beat them the one time and we've been really trying to beat them a second time since, you know. LSU we've only beat twice. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another one. So those are the, those are going to be the two big games, the two real big games, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. The other games, it's anybody's bet. I'm going to at least be going to the Arkansas game. About any of the others, I don't know. But I'll at least be trying to go to that. Maybe South Carolina, too. Well, because isn't the Arkansas always the at uh, in Dallas? Yeah, yeah, it's at AT and T Stadium. It was, and it was interesting because that game, it was a, uh, you know, when they opened AT and T Stadium, which is where the Cowboys played, uh, Jerry Jones got A and M and Arkansas because he Jerry Jones went to Arkansas, so he got A and M and Arkansas to sign up to play ten years worth of games there, back when A and M was part of the Big Twelve Conference, and so this was a non conference preseason game. And uh, when A&M rolled over to the SEC uh, conference, then it became a conference game. So it it mattered a lot more (laughs) to both teams all of a sudden. So I don't know how long that contract's going to go for, if it's gotten re-signed. But yeah, it's been 2009, so we've passed the 10-year mark. Oh, I see there at the bottom, all those times are in Eastern. So, yeah, that's 3.30 for that Colorado game, Eastern time. So 2.30 there in Texas. Sorry, because it's a little segue. That's okay. But, yeah, looking forward to it and looking forward to football. So looking forward to football again. Yep. Definitely see that as a, as a sign of my aging and uh, I'm, I'm just in, in absorbing more and more sports. But the last thing I want to get to before uh, we get out of here. So the College World Series is happening right now. The North Carolina State, what were they, the Wolves? The, the Big Bad Wolves, we faced them in that Gator Bowl. They were facing off against Vanderbilt. They had, if I remember correctly, they played one game, and then the students were tested for COVID. And North Carolina State had 14 players test positive for COVID. So they were required to play with the minimum required 13 players that they had left that tested negative. They went on, they played Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt won. And then that night, the NCAA tested the remaining uh, 13 players for North Carolina, for North Carolina state. 
And at two o'clock in the morning, they announced that those uh, other 13 players had also tested positive wow. and that because of that, they were deemed ineligible to play and had to forfeit the next day game, the next day's game. Now, what makes this very odd was that they tested half the team and then were still allowed to play instead of testing everybody and double checking everybody. And then they allowed them to play in a stadium that was that was at full capacity. There were full fans there and the teams were, you know, were able to play, you know, within close proximity of each other. No restrictions, anything like that. They were allowed to play through the game. And then at two o'clock in the morning, they sent out a statement saying that the team was ineligible. So there were a lot of question marks about this. And it's really kind of a bummer for North Carolina State. It would have been better if they had just held the whole thing and either made the team completely known void through the whole thing. But they allowed them to play one game and then they cut them out and said, well, now you're not going to play the rest of your games. And the College World Series is, uh, from what I understand, always played in Omaha, Nebraska. So these yep. kids were far from home already. Their family came from from North Carolina to watch them play. And, you know, all of a sudden at two o'clock in the morning, knocking the door. Hey, guys, we got to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, obviously, the game wasn't going to get played at like, you know, nine, ten in the morning. And even if it was, they could have waited until the morning and said, well, guess what? Your game's not happening. You know, it, it, it just seemed like a real mess, you know. The only thing I could think of was that the NCAA wanted to be out in front of it and say, oh, yeah, we're being responsible. We're letting these people know as soon as they can that, you know, they have they, they've tested positive. But, you know, everything else that they had done was a big question mark. Yeah. And so it was it, I feel, you know, listening to other people talk about it and I have to agree. It's kind of a shame for these guys. They, they worked really hard to get to this to this point. College baseball. It, much like regular, like professional baseball is a grueling sport. You have to play a lot of games and it takes a lot to get to the World Series and to the World Series tournament in this particular case. And all of a sudden you are kicked out of your hotel. You're not, I don't think they were kicked out of their hotel at two in the morning, but you're woken up at two in the morning saying, hey, your trip's over already. Yeah. In, in the middle of a three game system that you thought you were going to do. Yep. Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, which is uh, all SEC <laughs> in the final, you know, going for the World Series. So, and it's uh, one and one right now. So, game three is tonight, along with game two of the Stanley Cup. Yep. I'm going to go watch that here in a little bit. I'm looking forward to that. First time in 28 years that a Canadian team is competing for the Stanley Cup. The Montreal Canadiens. Yep. And that's who it is this year. And that's who it was last time. So, uh, uh, it should be an interesting series. Yeah, it's funny. I've got a coworker. He's a he's a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, but he's also a Dallas Stars fan. And so last year was a big year for him. It was torture? Yeah, no, because he was like, I win either way. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and it turns out he grew up as a Montreal Canadiens fan. So he's like, again, this year is great. I just <laughs> I win either way. <laughs> Why don't he just say he's a hockey fan? Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, he's, got, he's got three teams that he roots for. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so some interesting times in college football, college sports in general, some good hockey stuff going on. I think that, that pretty much wraps it up. So yeah, it's uh, June now. This will be out probably sometime towards the end of July. And then once we get into August, we'll be back to really rev up for college, college football. football. And we'll be moving into. Um, playoffs for baseball and, and so we'll actually start talking about baseball again because 
no one wants to talk about it every day. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, lots of stuff going in uh, in B ball. So thanks for uh, joining us. And uh, just remember, we have a website, patandthefatman.com, and a Patreon. And if you want to comment on the website or give us money for doing these shows, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, all proceeds go to our wonderful and talented editor. And in the event we somehow make uh, more money than that, we'll probably go to my son's charity. So, <laughs> the Micah, yeah, the Mason Micah, Foundation. Micah Mason Foundation. So, also, guys, if uh, you're new or if you've been a long time listener, let us know. Give, leave comments. Tell us what you want to hear. Let us know that you're um, that you're listening to the show. Yeah, I know uh, Pat uh, can see how many people we download, but we don't know if we've got how many listeners we have and if it's not just the same person downloading it. So let us know. Uh, we really like to see how this uh, the show is growing and expanding, and we want to hear from you what you think and what you want to hear. Yeah, and beyond that, you know, if you do become a patron, we do interact with our patrons uh, quite a bit, and we've done two shows now just at, at the request of a patron. Uh, they asked, hey, you know, what do you guys think about this? And so we did a show on it. So if, if you want us to do shows for you, specifically on a question you've got, <laughs> if, if you become a, a patron, we'll do it. So uh, consider that. So, And uh, I think that's it for this show. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Pat. And I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Giga, Maggies. Yeah,